Episode 36 of the Pilot the Pilot podcast takes off now. What is going on, Aving Nation, and welcome back to the Pilot the Pilot podcast. My name is Justin, and I am your host, coming live from 250, and now recording this intro, and I am so excited for this episode. I'm talking with Center, David. Center, 18.5, Mark 1708, I'm talking with David Lombardo. You guys might know David from the popular site ATC Memes. David is the co-founder of ATC Memes. He's a former air traffic controller. He went to Purdue University, studied aviation there. So we find out why he became interested in aviation. We kind of why he didn't want to be a pilot. 1079, checking in 390, good ride. United 10-7-9-4, we find out pretty much anything and everything about ATC memes, what happened and what was the beginning of saying no to Kilo, the aviation leggings, and much more. Aviation. American uh, 291, contact 4-7-127-195. Four, Long American 291. Aviation, if you enjoyed today's episode, leave us a review on iTunes, let us know on Facebook, or you can DM us or comment on our Instagram. You can also email me at pilottopilothq at gmo.com. I do want to start doing more giveaways. We have one lined up with Wing Boss. Wing Boss is going to be giving away a going solo hat. So all you have to do is just comment American below. 2569, expect direct victory in two minutes. We'll be standing by, American 2569. All you have to do is comment below on this post on my Instagram, and I'll be choosing from the comments there. It also helps if you leave a review on iTunes, so make sure you do that. And let me know when you Convoy leave a review. maintain 290, not. Nation, I hope you guys have a great day. Like I said earlier, I'm going to do my best to continue to get some more fire podcasts out there. It'll be harder with my new job and training and moving, but bear with me. I will get them out as always. If you want anyone to a podcast, let me know. I'm always looking for suggestions, but let's get this started. Without further ado, here's ATC Memes, David Lombardo. Hi, everybody. My name is David Lombardo, one of the founders of ATC Memes. ATC Memes is an entertainment website, and I guess you'd call it an apparel brand at this point specializing in air traffic controller entertainment, as well as pilots as well. And kind of got into that field. I started this based out of my love for aviation, as well as some of my inherent uh, creative uncertainties in the world. I wanted to make sure that those two things were combined in the quirkiest of ways, which became ATC memes, the blending of comedy and aviation. And I went to school at Purdue University, majoring in aviation management with also an emphasis in technology. All these weird things coming together sort of helped become what would become ATC Meme. So it's a pleasure to be here on Pilot to Pilot, or he wanted me to do, <clears throat> thanks for listening to Pilot to Pilot Podcast. I'm David Lombardo, and this is Justin. <laughs> that was perfect. That I right? liked it. Yeah, that was good. That was really good. <laughs> well, cool, man. Well, David, thanks so much for coming on the podcast, man. I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to this episode. Looking forward to talking with you. You know, it's a pleasure to be here because you represent something that is a little bit different than perhaps some of the other fans would uh, enjoy. And that's because you're a pilot, you know, and not to say that controllers don't like pilots, because that's not true. I mean, you know, there are <laughs> maybe some slightly true. Who are pilots. <laughs> well, maybe. But uh, the whole demographic that is piloting aircraft uh, is a huge fan base of our page. So, we always try to cross over and be relevant to both pilots and air traffic controllers and really anybody, or I should say the security tower person <laughs> or whatever those guys up there in the tower. 
But no, I mean, but the point is that the, what I realize is that the bigger the page gets and the more prolific the posts are, the more it all encompasses and includes everybody in aviation, which is actually kind of cool because there's not many pages and your podcast is the same way, but there's not many pages where people can get together so easily and just share some ideas based on one industry. That's really kind of cool. Agreed. I've, so. I've said this tons of times. There's nothing like I haven't seen anything like the aviation community is it's pretty crazy and pretty incredible. It is. It is. Yep. And you were saying before we started how a lot of people in aviation seem to have some sort of outside interests, perhaps on top of their aviation interests. And I think that's really true. I thought about that when you said that. And that was sort of the whole birth, as I mentioned in the beginning of ATC memes, kind of that quirky blend of geekiness and technology and audio yeah. with, uh, you know, with humor and aviation. For sure. I mean, you, you say it on your page all the time, making fun of the Embry-Riddle guys. Like, we're all aviators, all <laughs> pilots, all everyone. We're all geeks at heart, you know? Like, we, we're we av geeks. We love planes. We love technology. And we love anything to go with this. So, I mean, I think deep in the heart, I think a lot of pilots, a lot of people in ATC or just aviation in general are more creative than they give themselves credit for. And I think that oh, if they sat down and tried to do something, they could also come out with something like maybe a podcast or a page like yours or just any kind of page at all. Right. Or, or a blog or a blog, uh, you know, I remember hearing on YouTube, there was a really, I love YouTube because to me, it's, it's just the epitome of the internet. There's so much information on there. That's free that you can enjoy and, and learn a lot too. But I remember watching this one particular video of, it was a, a lecture of Alan Watts and he was ex- describing his interpretation of Al Cap, the, you know, the comic writer and he, and Al Cap said, I think all humor is fundamentally malicious. And I thought, I don't know if that's entirely true, but at the same point, there is some sort of like, you, you know, maybe glen, gleam at the end of the tunnel where you're like, okay, maybe that, maybe there's some truth to that. And, <laughs> and what he meant is not to say like, we're just here to make fun of people, but a true fundamental, real realized person and humor would realize that it's actually about ourselves. Like I, I see myself in this stuff so much and like humor at oneself to me is like incredibly therapeutic, you know? So I see these people out there and it's like, I was that kid playing Vatsim. Like I was that kid who like, you know, the first time I, I saw a girl, I, I think I ran the opposite direction. I didn't <laughs> know like I was that guy. All I wanted to do, like mom, buy me the flight simulator upgrade she's like oh david you don't need another flight simulator <laughs> i'm like mom no you don't understand i'm and i visited riddle and went around to this stuff and so it's like i kind of get it yeah. so to be from those different aspects of life that's so make funny. it incredibly clear what what you're trying to convey yeah so that was his whole point you know and sometimes people misunderstand that which is even funnier <laughs> <laughs> yeah i would completely agree i would go on to say that your humor in your page doesn't make fun of people it's just to poke fun at all aviators in general because we all we all have been there before like everyone can relate to something on your page and i think that's why it's so popular and why people come to it so often is because it's also relative to what we go through and it's probably semi-accurate to the stereotypes with maybe the embry riddle guys sorry if i get any hate for that but (laughs) i'm sure maybe they that might be true (laughs) who knows well it it could be true and the funny part is all the people who send us quote-unquote fan mail who are like dude i think your page is hilarious and by the way everything you say is totally true. You know? <laughs> See, there I, I mean, you go. I think myself, like, I don't know what we're doing here. This might be hurting or helping, but yeah. uh, it's particularly funny though. I got to admit when some people do get kind of like pissed off, I mean, that's not to say I'm trying to keep people uh, getting pissed, but just the reactivity of the internet is so broad that you never entirely understand what's going to happen 
we mentioned a few times ago in the other podcast about some memes that were just taken way out of proportion. Like there was that one with the Christmas lights and people were legitimately calling the <laughs> FAA complaining. Do you remember that one? I the, do remember that one. That one was hilarious. I laughed so hard when I saw that. <laughs> and then there was other ones too. Like we had the uh, Donald Trump announces that the airspace above the United States would be closed on the 4th of July. People oh, were like, oh my yeah. God. They're like, Jimmy, check your flights. That might be canceled. I'm like, all right, what have we done? You it's know, like, that, that maybe was the best idea. It's like, people, use your brain. They're not going to close on July 4th. Come on. <laughs> like, That's hilarious. Could you though. imagine? Like, Yeah, but, but again, like it was just the extremes that some people took it so seriously. On one end, they're saying, oh, this can't be. And then the other end, they're like, God bless the USA. Like, they should close <laughs> their space. <laughs> like, I love them. Hashtag America. We're the best. <laughs> Yeah, like it, it was like close the you know, hashtag just close it hashtag M A G A you know what I mean? It's like dude, like come on, come on. <laughs> hashtag MAGA. It's like oh my gosh, yeah. that's hilarious. And, no, it's like, I see Donald Trump sad. Like you guys keeping your airspace open up there in Canada, do something patriotic and close it down. <laughs> that is <laughs> but, so funny. But but yeah, man, it, it's a pleasure to be here and kind of just discuss what we do For at sure. ATC Boots. Uh, a, a little bit about you know yourself like how did you discover the page i'm just sort of curious how everyone sort of uh transiently and in and out of life discovered our page i discovered the page on facebook at first so i think it was when you started the transition from memes to doing the audio and i think the first one i listened to was the audio and i thought it was hilarious because i also thought it was true because i mean you always hear stories about crazy things that happen controllers or i'm sure everyone's heard this the youtube video of uh the jfk controller having no idea what's going on he's like air france how'd you get there how, what's going on he's like you guys should really come up here one day and try this so i i honestly yeah. thought some of it was real and then the more i kept listening it's like there's no way that this happened and then i recognized your voice <laughs> over and over and over again i was like all right cool this is all fake but it's hilarious <laughs> well I, I, actually the recognizing of the voice is perhaps i mean because my voice is kind of distinctive which can represent actually something cool but at the same time it's an inherent disadvantage when it comes to trying to make comedy sometimes because everything you do they're like oh that's that that's that obnoxious dude at the atc memes page again. you know <laughs> so I have noticed that that's the case. Like you said, though, when the page really exploded, it was around that era where we started messing around with audio. Mm -hmm. And when I first started doing this, I was just trying to mess around with the audio for fun. wasn't entirely sure if I would even post it. I just wanted to kind of mess around with a few mics and presets and see if I could emulate real ATC conversation. And then once I realized I could, it was only a matter of just seeing what I would put down on the audio software and manipulate it to be. And you can run wild with that. Like any fantasy in your head can come true in that environment, which is like completely fertile for any sort of creative endeavor. So a lot of the stuff that happens is just completely random, but uh, you know, it came to be in recording and you know, we'll write some stuff together, but often it's just, kind of the uh fly of the pants type of thing and it just comes out of, no out of nowhere you know definitely I, I love hearing that cool. because i'm the same way with me like i might write i might have some questions in my mind or stuff like that but everything is just it's just natural conversation i don't ever really prepare before i just come here i sit here and i ask a question that i want to ask you if i met you on the street you know it's like people right. find like i think there's something about spontaneity and being creative on the spot that's just it makes it more more fun and yeah. more enjoyable for the listener. It doesn't sound like it's scripted. It doesn't sound like it's fake, you know? Right. That yeah. is true. Overly scripting it. And sometimes just uh, sort of like letting loose in a creative environment is very, very satisfying to like the soul. I, I learned this firsthand when I was in bands and you sit down with some dudes and they're like, yo, you know, give me the changes, give me the chords. And you, you kind of go through it and vamp it. And then you just jam and, you know, you can go on for like hours and stuff. Yep. And sometimes 
you have that connection with the musician and it's no different between anything else that you do that involves multiple minds. Uh, you know, what did, what did Stephen Covey call it? The, the mastermind or something when you combine people together to one endeavor Definitely. and it sounds ridiculous, but like, you know, anything you do on social media, you're kind of playing into that whole thing because everything's connected to one. Definitely. So I argue that it's, it's really improved. A lot of the art form in comedy is no exception. Yeah, it's no, crazy, I would man. I would completely agree, and uh, I know we've said this before, but I, everyone does appreciate your page, and it's hilarious. Uh, but one thing I want to do on the podcast is I kind of want to get to know you a little bit. I don't know how much your fans actually know about you and why you chose aviation in general, why you chose Purdue. There's a lot of people out there, probably 13, 14, 12, and they love aviation. They don't know if they can be a pilot, and you chose the ATC route. You chose to go to an aviation college. Why did you choose that? Like, What made you want to get into aviation? Yeah, there's a few reasons for that. Uh, first of all, and I've mentioned this before in other podcasts, but I was always obsessed with aviation since an early age. And I think I got into it because of video games, of all things. It was sort of a combination of being a little kid and wanting to be involved in these big machines that were sort of cool and scary. But when I realized that you can fly a plane on Microsoft Flight Simulator at the age of like nine, I was like, this is what I have to do. And I started going through, you know, <laughs> I started becoming obsessed with it. And there was a few other games. There was Microsoft Combat Flight Simulator, and yep. there was a one Fighter Ace, which I don't even know if you remember it. I, most people I talk about, I talk to rather, don't really remember this game. But it was a massive multiplayer online game based in a World War II like European theater, and you flew a plane around and just tried to shoot people down. So I always thought, okay, well this is kind of cool because it was sort of as, as I described before to people it's sort of like athletic and competitive but at the same time it was really really social because we had this sort of camaraderie between all the players so i was hooked on that too and that's all i did was flight simulator and fighter ace and basically eat bagels and hot pockets all day and you know gained about 400 pounds but that's a, that's a different story but uh living the dream <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah living the dream uh yeah i know how i see my abs today is a complete fucking mystery like no one knows but 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 the, the idea of just becoming a pilot to me was really elusive and cool. And when it came time to apply to college, I thought that's what I want to do. However, like I said, I was also involved in music and bands and I wasn't entirely sure I really wanted to be a pilot because for me, it represented being away from home for an extended period of time. Yeah. And I wanted to be in a group and play my instruments and practice. And that was my thinking. So I really am sort of like my junior year of high school. I had this sort of dilemma where I didn't know entirely what I wanted to do. And I think maybe some of your listeners could resonate with this feeling. It's like, what? You know, I, I look back to myself thinking I was 16 or 17 years old. Like I can't even make decisions now. I'm 29. I can't make decisions. I, how do you possibly decide what you want to do for like, quote unquote, the rest of your life? Right. Like, you know, 16, like you can't. That's, that's I mean, one of the still, reasons why I got married, so I could have someone help me make my decisions for me. <laughs> yeah, hey, babe, I mean, what do you want to do? You want to do this? Yeah, let's, okay. Yeah. It's actually one of the better reasons people should probably get married, honestly. <laughs> Seriously. There, there's, there's a fantastic reason because, I mean, like, like I said, you always need people to bounce ideas off of. Yeah. And when you are given this sort of uh, – I don't know what the word is – autonomous, I suppose, decision to be made in such an early age, you're like – I don't know. That, that's your, in my opinion, that's your first real sense of adulthood. It's like, oh my God, like I have to make a decision here. But I decided that I would try to do aviation, but more on the management side or more on the uh, control side. And yeah. air traffic control represented like the perfect job for that because to me, it was like a high paying career. It involves, well, I would later learn it doesn't really involve normal shifts, but I felt like I could at least be <laughs> home. <laughs> I could at least be home every day. Yeah. And 
it, it involved somewhat of a quote unquote more normal lifestyle, whatever For sure. that time. And I also thought that it was just less invasive in my overall style of life because of the fact that I wasn't traveling all the time. Definitely. So boom, I signed with Purdue university and I went out there and actually was not one of my, uh, only schools. I, I, I did apply to a whole bunch of schools actually, but I I remember visiting riddle. In fact, I thought the other day I was there, I, I messaged my parents cause I didn't even remember going. I'm like, did I, did I visit Embry riddle? Like, Yes, you did. And I was like, okay, delete the text. Delete yeah. the text. <laughs> All the Riddle students are triggered right now. I'd be like, he was here. He almost came here. He was here. <laughs> lick the floors. Lick the floor. No, yeah. but my friend John, uh, he actually visited me about a year later at Purdue. And he was trying to decide if he should go to Purdue or Embry-Riddle. And he chose Riddle. So, hey, you know, you'll, you'll win some, you'll lose some. Hey, all but, power uh, to him. He wanted to spend an extra hundred grand a year. Why not, right? <laughs> It could also be because I brought him to some sort of frat party and some girl puked on him, but we'll, oh, we won't eh. get to that. Yeah. I don't know. You it's never college. Know. That happens. <laughs> it, it, does, it does happen. It does Maybe happen. not but, at Embry-Riddle, but it happens at Purdue <laughs> and other Big Ten schools. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We won't get into some of the shenanigans. Well, I was in a band, too, at Purdue. Okay. And I spent a lot of my time trying to balance my social life with my band and with my studies because I was really interested in aviation and uh, air traffic control at the same time because that was my career goal was to be an air traffic controller. But I'd, I'd always have these sort of like residual bleed throughs that would happen. Like, for example, I had this one professor who I absolutely loved and he recorded his lectures and his lectures were all based on aviation. And this guy, I mean, I won't, I won't mention his name because he, he could be listening to this, but <laughs> you, can, you can find out who he was if, you, if you're any good at Google. Which if you try really hard, yeah, you can find out. <laughs> this guy was an absolutely fantastic professor. I would consider him to be almost like a mentor of sorts, just yeah. really, really realistic and very funny at the same time. And his humor, and I think even to this day, I, I never give him enough, uh, enough honor as to who he was as a, as a teacher and just as a general educator, you know, somebody who really show you the ropes, like, yo man, this is your life, you know? But anyway, he used to record the funniest things because his lectures were recorded. And, uh, I remember at the time I was in a band, like I said, and we were trying to cover the song, uh, cherry pie. Remember by Warren? Yeah. And on that album, on the, on the out, al- this is like a really funny stuff on that album. There's this, song and it song if you want to call it that's called ode to tipper gore and okay. all it is because tipper gore wanted to make music censored and all it is is yanni lane the vocalist just swearing at concerts like cut up into different snippets it was like you know it was just complete chaos <laughs> about two minutes of swearing like it was his finger to the people who wanted to censor music you know that's and to me, it was, that's kind of badass yeah well, anyway that inspired me because this professor also had a way with kind of swearing now and then. So yeah. it kind of inspired me to take all of his lectures, cut them up into like the six minute audio clip and I put <laughs> it online and that thing spread like wildfire. That's I mean, awesome. Like a week, there was like 25,000 views, which back in the day, that was pretty big. That's like a million, uh, 10 million. Now it's like 10 million. Right? Yeah. View inflation, I call it. Yeah. If I was to publish a paper on that, which I'm not sure I could, but <laughs> the point is, this guy had really sort of inspired me to resurrect some of my old school interest in audio editing and creation. And I tied that with aviation. And that was probably, I was 18 years old. I was a freshman in college. Uh, but during my time, I was also, like I said, interested in so many other things. I, w- I was trying to get involved in building 
uh, social media pages. And believe it or not, MySpace was actually a big thing back then. Oh, MySpace. MySpace. Yes, yeah. I was. I was on my, I was on MySpace because I couldn't get on Facebook because Facebook used to only be for people in college when it first came out. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, so I, I mean, only had MySpace. I had my top five friends. There was actually, believe it or not, I don't even know if I should, should be telling people this, but there was actually a black <laughs> market for email addresses to get on Facebook. That's a no total true way. Story. That's crazy. Yeah, If you tell people that today, they'd be like, Pfft. Mark like, Zuckerberg's you know, listening. It's like, stop saying it. Stop saying it. Get that. Get off the yeah. mic. <laughs> uh, not that I got involved with that. I just right. think people were involved with that. Uh, but anyway, so I was trying to encompass all of my interests and keep a well-balanced life, uh, whatever that meant at the time. So I graduated from Purdue. And actually, I, I had taught guitar for about the next three years upstate New York. That's where I'm originally from. Okay. And things were going pretty well up there. I mean, I had my girlfriend at the time uh, lived up there. And then, you know, she went out to school in Oneonta, New York, which is a small North Catskill town. And my brother went out there, too. And so I, I had this constant commute in between these places. And every time I drove through them, I had like nothing but thoughts and tons of thoughts. And I was like, you know, like. I really want to become involved in aviation because I, I just felt at that time being like 23 years old or whatever, like I, you have all the time in the world. And I applied to become an air traffic controller because that's originally what I had set out to do in school. Right. So I got hired and I was assigned to uh, the New York center, which is on Long Island. That was perfect and then, right? I was, I, was, I was very excited, but you got to realize Long Island, New York is like really far from upstate. I mean, it's a whole different. <laughs> right. You know, like, those upstaters, like, they think that people down here are like really fast paced New Yorkers who like don't want to have anything to do with anybody else. And people down here think that, you know, there's more cows than people where I came from. And they're like, that's funny. No, why would you want to hang out with those people upstate? Like all they do is they, they just, they farm, you know, they farm the crops or whatever. And I'm like, and then people upstate are like, well, I'll tell you what, you go down there to down, you ain't never coming back, boy. So it was this whole, well, that's a little bit extreme, but you get the point. It's a whole different culture. Uh, so, I was assigned here and uh, I enjoyed it, my time here. I spent uh, three years here in training, training programs very, very long. And it was in that time that I started ATC Memes. And uh, the rest is history, as they say. I mean, I, I had, there's a lot of stories in between that. You know, I had been involved in so many other things, but it was at the center that, uh, like I mentioned before in the story, that's how ATC Memes came to be. So that's sort of my. Sparknotes version of how I went from high school to ATC memes. Nice. So you currently are not an air traffic controller anymore, correct? No. Yeah, that's correct. I actually left about a year and a half ago. Okay. And it was a tough decision because it's like, that's like what you went to school for. You know what right. I mean? But like I said, I was involved in so many other things. And ultimately I just felt the job wasn't really perfectly aligned with like what my personality traits are, what I'm good at, what I wanted to do with my life. Like to me, it was like, if I don't get out of here now, I'm never going to leave. For sure. And you're starting to make good revenue with uh, ATC memes and my other side projects involved with uh, promotion on music and promotion on websites, web design, all that type of thing. It really came together in, in what looked chaotic, but in like the most beautiful way it could have worked out. Yeah, so, no, you got to make that jump. I mean, if you got you got to believe in yourself and you got to make that jump. And if this is something that you really want to do and really focus on, then you, you got to be all in. And I'm sure ATC takes a lot of time and because you have long shifts. And then when you get off, you're tired. You need to go to sleep so you can rest up for the next shift. So you might not have all the time that you needed to fully record and fully put into all your other side hustles or all your other jobs that you had. Well, that's you know? a great way to put it. You know, it's a job that requires, ext- it's a job that requires extensive amounts of time spent building 
the uh, the fort, as I say. You know, you can hide in the fort, but you need to really build it. You can't just go in there and be like, I got the job. You know, like, no, like you walk into ATC, you got a long way to the top if you want to right. rock and roll. And I respect, <laughs> I respect that completely, humbly respect that with all of my blood and body. I mean, I really, because to me, I have tremendous respect for controllers. I was there. I was literally in that seat. I know what it's like. And it's a job that is uh, very unforgiving and a job that is, I'll say it, it's not for everybody. For you know? sure. And maybe it wasn't entirely for me either. And that's fine. But I'm damn well glad that I had that opportunity yeah. because I wouldn't be talking to you right now if I didn't. Right. You know? Exactly. I wouldn't right. be talking to you Dude, either. To have that realization, it's like, damn, man, like that's deep. <laughs> that's deep, you know, it's man. Funny, I've, had, I've had people who have messaged me, like totally true story. They have messaged me and they're like, your page has re-sparked my interest in flying. That's like awesome. Your page has gotten me, you know, I, I've learned how to like make love with my aircraft again, for lack of a better <laughs> term. Because, you know, I'm like, dude, like literally all I did was make like, you know, dick jokes on a recording page. Right. Like, you know, but to get people to be interested in something by a quirky way, no matter how weird, is is a very, very powerful feeling. So I'm glad to be part of that. Did you think your page would ever be inspiring to help people want to get back in aviation? Or did you think it was just going to be purely comedy? Well, I think it would be comedy, but you got to realize comedy actually has a very strong uh, ability to convey information yeah. and to make people kind of like wake up in some regard. There, there's so many like fantastic examples where comedy is a means to make things less abrasive, and so you kind of bring it into a public light. Mm-hmm. Like we had so many different audio feeds and just audio skits that were made that were based on a sense of truth. And like, people wouldn't sit down and talk about that. Like you wouldn't talk about like, Sal, let me tell you something. Can you actually <laughs> the VFR? Like, no, half the people are going to fall asleep. But if you put a, something funny in front of an audience and you, they, it resonates well with them. And, and you, unless they're, you know, deaf, dumb and blind or something, they will always pay attention to that. And it, it is so incredible to see that happen, you know, just sure. to be part of something like that. Yeah. So I know, I know the feeling I've, I've gotten messages too saying, Hey, like your podcast has helped me want to get back into flying. And I know you probably feel the same way that that's probably the ultimate compensation that we could get is knowing how we are impacting future aviators or current aviators to maybe get back into this or start this because we all want people to get in aviation. I mean, aviation is an awesome career. It's an awesome job for everyone. So we're, that's probably half of my page is just trying to get people to get into the industry. And I know it means a lot to me hearing that. I'm sure it does to you as well. Yeah, you do a fantastic job. I mean, the whole reason I heard about your page is because your promotions and your content is just so good. Like you're, you, you really, really demonstrate to people how you can take something as easy to talk to and with about like with aviation and just make that topic so, so enjoyable to anybody, even just the layman to kind of tune in and be a part of that. Thanks, man. I really uh, appreciate it. That means a lot. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, I actually listened to a whole bunch of your podcasts in the, in the past, not all of them because you get a lot, you're very prolific, <laughs> but you have a lot of stuff going on, which yeah, is good. I appreciate it, man. That's awesome to hear. I said, like I said earlier, I think most creativity is actually a function of quantity, not necessarily quality. Right. And that's not to say you shouldn't be focused on the best because you should always be trying to improve yourself. But I'm saying always. you can't be a perfectionist. You know, if I spent every single day trying to make things perfect before I release them to the public, like I would never get anything done. No, for sure. So, I mean, eventually, at the end of the day, you got to get content out there. You know, there's only so much you can do to make it perfect, but you got to keep getting content out there. Keep getting people's ears on your stuff and eyes on your stuff. So definitely I would hundred percent agree. Promotion is so important in the content world because now is like you said, especially the younger kids now, teenage kids who are going to be coming of age into the industry. They are really, really, really 
drawn into this whole social media thing and it has so much influence on people and the companies know that they'll spend thousands of dollars to go try to make it known that hey man you know like this woman flies with this headset or this guy uses the <laughs> sock you know it's like you know coming soon the all new kitty lip. it's a like, dude are you kidding and honestly because people are so influenced by it yeah. and that's actually a really cool thing definitely so i would agree i have to be a part of yeah, for sure. Uh, by but, the way, so where are you right now? Because it's it's a blizzard right here. I'm I'm actually looking out my house in Holbrook, New York, which is on Long Island, and it's like the it's snowing sideways right now. I'm in Northeast uh, Ohio right now, and it is. Let me check. It is not snowing sideways, but it is definitely trying to snow right now. So similar weather, but yours is probably you're probably gonna get what a foot of snow right now. Yeah, probably about a foot. I posted a picture of me in a pool in Phoenix, Arizona. <laughs> uh, not actually there. Hey, it's uh, all a mental thing. If you feel warm, you are warm. <laughs> that's what they say. Yeah. I don't know if it's true, so, but that's what they say. Does it work with drunkenness? I don't know. I'm gonna try. <laughs> try it. Yeah. But, Start now. Yeah. <laughs> now, do you, I, I'm just curious. Do you have any particular meme that you've seen? If uh, maybe you can reference one or uh, something that resonated really well with you that you enjoyed or not? And was there anything that stands out that we did? You uh, can just say they're all terrible too. That's fine. No, that's they're, they're all great. I don't think I have one off the top of my head. I'd have to go back and look. I have a very forgetful memory. So I'll laugh at something. And then, I, then once I laugh at the next thing, that takes over my mind. But oh, I'll have to check. You're a pilot. Right? So <laughs> yeah. you give you that frequency and you're like, what was that frequency again? Do you guys write that stuff down by Absolutely the way? Absolutely not? not. I don't ever write those down. It's all, it's all oh, a pride yeah, thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's a champion right there. You're like, yeah. wait, you know. One two one point five. Yep. Like, wait, what? How about leaving an uncontrolled airport in the New York Center and climbing out before without getting your IFR, IFR clearance? <laughs> That's that always fun. Too. Yeah, it's like, why didn't you now, call us on the ground? It's like, uh, I'm from Ohio. Didn't realize I needed to call you on the ground. I'm sorry. <laughs> somebody actually messaged me a few days ago, and they're like, "Do you know the air traffic procedures for this airport? Because I'm about to fly into." I'm like, I'm like, mother of God! I'm like, dude, uh, <laughs> I would not. Who the heck would consult right. a meme webpage for yeah. the actual legal travel advisories? <laughs> it's like, uh, download ForeFlight and you'll be fine. There you go. You're welcome, yeah, kid. Flight. I mean, you know, <laughs> posted on YouTube. Yeah. I mean, use Tinder. There's so many better ways you can find the, the flight instructions. How to get into an airport. You know, don't, yeah. don't post it on ETC. Call memes. flight service, maybe, you know, whatever you want. <laughs> we've yep. actually had news channels use our audio, which is fine. I, I think it's flattering and really cool. But we've had them use our audios and video for things that were actually really happening, like uh, weather oh, events. that's hilarious. And then they, use, then they use the tag ATC memes. I'm like, so you're telling me that if like imagine some sort of like supervisor or some sort of producer walking into the control room and be like, where'd you guys get this video? They're like, uh, ATC memes. <laughs> like memes. You know what a meme is, right? Yeah, like, how dumb can you be? I mean, that's not to say they're all dumb, but right. I just particularly find it very amusing. Maybe it goes back to the Al Cap, you know, all humor is fundamentally malicious. Cause I mean, basically when that happens, we're just like, dude, someone didn't do their homework. <laughs> that's like the air Korea but, stuff in San Francisco. When they got the names, the we too low, Holy Fook, exactly. all that stuff. Yeah. I gotta be honest. I didn't even, I didn't even notice that though. The first time around, I didn't I, my notice brother it either. Was like, I'm the, he was like, dude, that can't be real. And I'm like, yeah. of course it's real. The plane hit, you know, the plane crashed. He's like, no, dude, like, look at those names, you know? And, oh my God. I still, to this day, that is, it's just unbelievable that somebody, it was like an intern or something like that. Going back to your ATC time, did anyone ever recognize you while you were working a sector, while you were working a plane? Was anyone like, uh, are you ATC memes? Oh yeah, it it has happened for sure. I, I remember even in the landline conversations too that would happen for somebody would be like, "Wait a minute, you know, I'm uh, talking to." Uh, we won't go into details of right. where it was. Yeah, people have definitely uh, recognized that to the point of me 
sort of wanting to change my voice sometimes. Like <laughs> dang, I tried my British voice before. I guess it really good. <laughs> how'd that work out? The angry German guy that didn't work either. Yeah. Uh, my my upstate my upstate twang kind of worked. You know? There you go. The, 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 I got a handoff at your boundary. This is November five five three four Lima. No, I don't know what that is. <laughs> they're at like, the end wait, of the day, what? There's no way you can run away from your own voice. Yeah. So. Did your supervisor ever get wind of uh, the website or anything, or did they? Oh, were, yeah. Was anyone not happy about it, or did they just all think it was hilarious? I don't think anybody was. I, I wouldn't say they were unhappy with it, but people brought it to my attention that, like, hey, dude, like, we, we kind of know you run this, so you, you might want to be careful. And I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> are you kidding me? If you, I'm like, if you know I run this, like, I, I'm already, I'm already in the ground dead. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> it's toast for me. That's but, awesome. Uh, the funny part about the whole thing, though, was that honestly, all the all the stuff that happens surrounding the events and the notoriety of running a social media page on such a small industry is all good. You know, all publicity is good. And that is very true. Uh, I mean, you don't want to go be on the, uh, on the police blotter every night, but at least you can (laughs) sort of game for yourself. That's I think very important. So there's actually a book out there. It's called the Kim Kardashian principle. Oh my gosh. You know, I, of course, on my book table, I have like Capital in the 21st Century. And the next to it, I have the Kim Kardashian principle. My dad was like, David, I think we got to have an intervention yeah. here. Like, what's going on? But it's about just that, you know, and your, your podcast can apply to this as well about how it's important to sort of have a reactive audience. And that's not to say that we all should all get butt implants, but we should at least be <laughs> a little entertaining to watch. You, you know, know, it might help. You never know. It's not worth, maybe you should try. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the, the podcast that you do caters to a very specific industry. So I'm sure interested, like what is, what is the most interesting thing you've had on your, on your podcast? Anything that comes to mind? I really like just the variety of people I've talked to so far. So I, I've, I've talked to a, a former golden knight, someone that's jumped out of airplanes in the army at the highest level. I've talked to people that have flown in the military. I've talked to your average weekend warrior. So you get really every aspect of kind of aviation you know you get an air traffic controller you get someone that runs atc memes you get someone that's an airline pilot you get someone that flies f-16s and now flies in the business world and makes youtube videos so it's really just getting everyone on the site tell everyone's story because some people think that they don't have a good story but they don't know is that someone out there can resonate with what you're going through and how you became a pilot because other people sure. are in the same position that you are in and they need to hear, they need the information of how you did it. And that might be what gets them to take one step forward in that process. Because I'm sure, oh, yeah. you know, everyone like people that love aviation, I'm sure you at one point thought that maybe becoming an air traffic controller or becoming a pilot was only for certain people. Like you had to be this type of person or you had to be in the military to do this, but it's not true. All you have to do is apply. Like you, if you apply, there's, a good chance that you will have the opportunity to do one of those two jobs there's so much diversity in every sense of the word in aviation that it's from all backgrounds all types of all walks of life and uh you know it's that's really a beautiful thing when you think about it because not many people and places can say that to be a part of such a variety of different types of people involved in all different sorts of things uh you know i've met people who were involved in like landscaping and people who are involved in like high level business trading and stuff like that literally doctors i've been you know it's just it's so inspiring to me and i always kind of keep that to myself because you don't want to be like the fanboy right but dude there are so many people that you can meet in aviation that will inspire you and sometimes it's it's very unsaid and sort of like under the radar no pun intended but you right. will meet a lot of people who do inspire you in this field, no doubt about it. And right. that, that, to me, that's one of the coolest things about it. Hundred percent agree. Really. By the way, you mentioned airline pilot memes. You know, I actually hung out with those guys in Houston. No way. What was that like? <laughs> Sounds did. like it'd be an epic meetup. 
Oh my God, dude. <laughs> I <laughs> went out there in Houston because one of my partners who I run ATC News with, there's a few of us who run it. Um, there's me and a majority guy. Okay. But I went out to the, uh, he's basically, he runs Adam. He runs the majority of it with me. And we were running out there at the time and just sort of hanging out in Houston because I had never been over to Houston or even Texas at that point. And come to find out, the guy who runs airline pilot memes is in town because his flight, he's a pilot and his flight was there. So I'm like, yeah, that's pretty cool. You know, he likes to remain anonymous, which I, I wholly respect, you know, <laughs> but, definitely. Yeah. So I didn't even know who this guy was. And we invited him over to hang out and uh, we were doing some sticker fulfillment and drinking some beer and then the beer <laughs> turned into vodka and the vodka turned into, I can't even remember. But the point is we had a great time doing all these fulfillments and orders. And the next day we thought to ourselves, dude, you know, what would be hilarious we should find a local order because we had a whole bunch of orders that were unfulfilled and a lot of them were from Texas. We thought there's got to be somebody around the area that we can just like show up to at their house, you know? So it was like four of us. It was like all of ATC memes, all of airline pilot memes. Oh my gosh. And we found this one guy. He lived outside of Houston. I forget what, but it wasn't far at all. It was like a 10 minute drive. Yeah. So I mean, we had hundreds of orders to do and we were falling <laughs> behind rapidly. But for some reason we thought this would be hilarious. This was a great idea. <laughs> yeah. This was an idea we just had to do. Like there's no turning back now. And we get in the car, we drive to this guy's house and we're looking at each other. Like, should we get out? Like, are we going to get shot? Like, I don't know what to do. You know? So we, it was like a sticker order. It had like two like squawk dirty me stickers and like a one, two, one point five and like a lanyard or something. Walk up this guy's driveway. And every step, it was becoming more and more intense. What would we expect? Would he shoot us? You know, is this like safe? Is he is he in the right house? Like we don't even know where we are. Because I don't know if you've ever been to Texas, but it's like you know, forty two thirty five West Windbrook Road. You're like, what the yeah. heck? If, why is this one thirty two forty five? The next one is like eighteen twenty three. You're like, well, I don't even like who the heck comes up with these street numbers. And remember, well, everyone has a gun in Texas too. So yeah, true. They're like, I'm like yeah. oh my god. You northerners, uh, yeah, get out of here. Everything is bigger in Texas, including the guns that's and true. the blood that spills out of your body when you that's get shot true. by one. So Definitely <laughs> we true. So we walk up, and I knock on the door. Actually, it was like a doorbell. And this kid, this guy, this little kid, like comes up to the door, and he like opens the door, and he's looking up at us, like, and we just like, hi, uh, you know, is your name so and so? And he's like, yeah, <laughs> <We're> like, yes. <laughs> We're like, yes, yes. Like, we have your stickers and we're ATC. <laughs> and like, you can see this woman like frantically coming to the door. Like, who is it? Who is it, Johnny? Who is Johnny, it? who'd you open the door for again, Johnny? Yeah, 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 exactly. And like, this is this kid's mother, you know? Yeah. And she's like, oh my God. And she's like, it's okay. It's ATC meme. That's what this kid says. And she's like, yeah. ATC, what? Said, Did your father <laughs> let you order something online again? You know, that's not what happened. But yeah. it was true. That the kid was at the door and the mom was like, who are you people? Yeah. And he just quietly took the stickers and shut the door. And this kid was probably like 12 years old. Like, dudes, we got to check the uh, the age of some of these recipients. <laughs> you know? we, we actually did it again. We drove about 20, mi- uh, 20 miles to the north. Somebody else had an order. And this, this guy, he was older, he was our age, and he was hilarious. He was like, he opened the door and he was like, oh my God, it's 18 Sigma. <laughs> Mays. And it's like his girlfriend or wife at the time or whatever. She was like, oh, wow. You know, and we're just like, she, he, he acted like it was the, the clearinghouse sweepstakes or something. I mean, That's <laughs> it awesome. was like the, yeah, the 
sticker for you, you know? <laughs> it's like but, just a sticker, man. He's like, you want a Bud Light? What do you want? You want a middle light? Come on in. <laughs> you want, oh, actually, you did it. But he's like, you guys want to stay for a bit? And we actually have to go. <laughs> we have to meet with an, an accountant or something. But uh, yeah, I'll always remember that. And and that is so dear in my heart as being one of the coolest experiences of my life. I mean, not many people can say they can like walk up to a stranger's house and yeah. be like, dude, it's you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? that's so cool. And again, I. I put myself in a different situation. Like what if it was somebody who I was personally very fond of, or I was a fan of, and I ordered something from them, like their personal t-shirt, you know, whatever it may be, the Gary, you know, the Gary V t-shirt or whatever, yep. uh, this author I like. And then all of a sudden he shows up at my doorstep. I probably have a heart attack. I know, so, right? Like, wait, Gary V you're here. What the heck? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mine um, would probably be Casey Neistat. If Casey Neistat showed up my boy, showed up my door with, uh, something I'd be probably freak out. Be like, dude, what the heck? <laughs> what is happening? Right yeah. Now? I'd be like, why are you here? <laughs> By the way, Texas has amazing barbecues. We went to this place called corkscrew, which is I think in spring, Texas. If you've never been, you got to go. I know you're with your, with your job, you can travel. So oh, yeah. you should experience that if you can. The Texas barbecue is legit. I will, I will second that. Absolutely. So uh, cool. I have a question for you. What, what, so obviously you're making memes, you're making audio. What was the, why, why the transition to, to clothes, to leggings, to, to pretty much anything in general that's aviation? What inspired all that? Well, mostly getting rich, but uh, no, I'm kidding. Mostly no, taking advantage honest, of all of my listeners. <laughs> exploiting all of my poor, yeah. innocent fans. Of their heart. <laughs> uh, no. So two things crossed my our, our path, we both all thought of this. Well, both of us kind of came up with the idea and then eventually it kind of trickled into the entire community of aviation and I sat down with my partner. I said, you know, there's got to be a way we can sort of monetize this page because at this time we had about 70 or 80,000 fans. Yeah. And at that time of the year, it was like November and we thought, dude, Christmas or holiday stuff, we should do an ugly aviation sweater. So that's yes. what we did. Ugly aviation long sleeve t-shirt, close enough. We weren't rich at the point, right? We were only making like $2 a day doing memes. So right. it was really kind of cool. And, you know, to this day, I always think like there are ways you could have improved that. Like we could have improved it. We could have uh, pushed a little better. We could have made it a little bit more clear to the fans what we were selling but it was just like the first experiment in trying to make it known that we were selling things related to aviation you know um and it, it really was re received very very well i think we sold about 60 or 70 of those shirts which is not a ton of, i mean it takes a lot to sell i mean even if you sell yeah. thousands Making money in apparel is hard. It is very hard. I sold. I, I mean, I started a little bit with shirts, and I just saw that how hard it was and how much work it was. Like you have to maintain it, whether you have an inventory, whether you have anything else. It you make maybe it depends on how you do it, but you make anywhere from like two to eight dollars a shirt when it's selling for thirty dollars. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, at that point, we weren't concerned with anything related to margins or cogs or any of this stuff. All we wanted to do was make sure that a customer knew how to get the shirt and the point of sale was reached and they bought it. And we also wanted them to be proud of it. Like we, we didn't want to just rate people of their money. You know, we wanted right. them to be like, Hey, check out my shirt. This is from ATC memes. Right. So a few months later we were kind of sitting down like, what can we do that would make this really, really wacky? And I, and we didn't have any good ideas. We had sort of run dry with some of our creative ideas with apparel. Uh, Cause you know, contrary to popular belief, we actually are not geniuses. Uh, we don't have these <laughs> ideas that just kind of fly out of our heads. Like, no, we're just, Probably below average intelligence, to be honest. But Wait, you're not part of the things... Illuminati? <laughs> Come Get out of here, man. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things that kind of came to my mind, though, was just like the blending of things. I went upstate to upstate New York and I uh, had a small airspace map, and my brother had these big black lights over his recording console. We were mixing a song, and his girlfriend was listening to the song. 
Uh, and his girlfriend had these really, really tight leggings on. And I actually happened to put the uh, map on the desk and the black lights illuminated the map. And I look over at her leggings and I just, I, I just knew we had to do it. It was, I, I can't describe it any better than that. I just knew I, we had to somehow incorporate this. But a day or so later, I, I was like, that's the dumbest idea. Like no one's ever going to buy this stuff, but whatever. All I had to do was upload a few images to like a fulfillment co- uh, company or website that would do screen printing. Yeah. And from that point, just designing basic maps and offering them through one of our blogs, we were able to get people to order some of this stuff. And in the first few weeks, I realized, wow, this is actually really selling. Yeah. And that's how it came to be. And since that time, we've done everything from watches, sneakers, hats. We've done underwear. We've done bikinis. We've done stickers. We've the leggings. We even done like car wraps, <laughs> pillows, yeah. leggings. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. And uh, we actually just very recently, I mean, as recent as yesterday, we started uh, – getting the ball rolling on some of the summer products we're going to bring back uh it's like board shorts and the one piece bikini uh bathing suits and bikinis and do all that sort of thing and uh it's just very sort of humbling to be a part of that because you always feel like you never know enough like i have so much more respect for not that i didn't before not that i thought it was like some sort of fake industry or whatever but i just have so much more respect and appreciation for fashion and what goes to designing and modeling and just producing and, and more importantly profiting right on clothing because it is so hard you know yeah. it is really tough it takes a lot of work it takes a lot of uh, artistic ability and it just takes a lot of the confidence like you got to go out there and it's so competitive and we've had people even give us flack now and then for being like you know you you've stolen the industry and i'm like dude it's like no i mean all we did is basically offer like leg like leggings that have airspace maps on them like yeah. not that genius of an idea you know but <laughs> You just got to find a niche, and I feel like we've done that to some extent, and that's what we did. So right. that's how it came to be. And so far, it's been going really strong. And it's funny because I always try to balance it between selling things and making good content because the content is the catalyst that keeps people coming back for, for more. Sure. But also, the products, people love to wear their products and show them off and stuff. And uh, we've done everything, like I said before, from really quirky stuff to more sp- specialized products like we've done rugs and even wallpaper for people you know just trying to keep it going yep. and make it as weird as possible so that's how it came to be <laughs> i like that make it as weird as possible that's awesome okay that'll <laughs> be my gravestone someday dave lombardo he tried to make it weird as possible <laughs> <laughs> you know what? that's i think that's gonna stick we're gonna i'm gonna start an internet campaign to make that happen <laughs> there was a kid i know uh, well i'll keep his name anonymous we'll, we'll call him jake all right and, uh Jake always went on these like rampages about people. Like he would go, he was just like the, the angriest person I ever met. Like, I don't know why, why, why he was like that at all, but he was a a student who I I knew. And, uh, in college I used to joke with him, like Jake, you know, you should start a blog called Jake gets pissed. Like just, (laughs) and instead of just like ranting and burning all that really valuable energy at nothing, you should just like create a huge blog. Anyway, I keep this kid anonymous, but now he's got like over a million YouTube followers. What? He makes like six figures. Of, yeah. He just, that's all he does is basically, he doesn't rant all the time now. He actually does uh, <laughs> re- reviews of, uh, reviews of cameras, but, uh, oh, nice. he Good took all that, all that energy that he used to. And so that's the point. Like you got to sort of like funnel your energy somehow and make it, uh, make it happen. You know? Right. 
You know, I think people are going to be kind of surprised when they when they listen to this and just hear. I'm not necessarily surprised. It's probably the wrong word, but here, like, you have such great insight on like creating stuff and just as a creator and just so much information on and just sounds so intelligent. I'm not trying to say that I didn't think you're intelligent at all, but I think that someone <laughs> can really like listen to this and get inspired to want to create their own. So if someone, thanks. Well, I'll tell you what. I wish I could do some inspiration sometimes. So I'll just turn to the mirror here and be like, Yo, <laughs> step out of it, dude. No, I hear you. I'll tell you right now, the firsthand experience is always the best teacher, and I have failed so many times. That's right. the only way I can make any sort of legitimacy with any of these answers is because I've sort of like been there and experienced that at the worst. Definitely. Uh, and that's not to say that like, you know, just you're wallowing in this like depression, like what should I do with my life state all the time? But even going back, cause it, like I said, when I was 16, 17, trying to find out what you want to do with your life, I don't think that ever actually resolves. Like no. you're always in this state of flux. There's a really cool movie that is from i want to say like 2000 or 2001 it's called waking life it's a really weird movie and it, it actually annoys my wife to no end she's like oh don't <laughs> watch that waking life movie you know it's one of those movies where people are like dude if i'm not if i'm you know not stoned i can't watch it. but i'm serious <laughs> it's one of those movies that really sort of is mind opening if you're yeah. in the right environment and if you're in the right mindset and there's this one scene where the guy gets into a boat and the boat's on wheels it's like one of those like hybrid boat car things yeah and he goes, we're in motion to the ocean. He goes, this thing about life, you always want to be in a state of arrival while constantly departing or something to that effect. Maybe it was constant departing while always arriving. But the point is you're never actually like resolved. You know, you're always right. sort of in this flux of trying to find out what you're going to do with your life. And uh, unless you're dead, you're always sort of ruminating about that. Yeah. So anyway, you got to use that energy to your advantage. And sometimes you're going to fall flat on your face. I, I've done so many things that I actually have never come into fruition that I've never really even told people about. I had a whole website dedicated to uh, college kids and it was about trying to find out how much money they were making versus how much student loan debt they owed. Oh, yeah, and nice. the whole idea was supposed to aggregate, find out basically what's your return on investment of college. Yeah. Like this is something I was really interested in. Uh, now that's actually been incorporated into things like uh, college board and stuff. And they've really done well with that. Um, you know, I, and I run a modeling agency. It did pretty well for a while. Uh, I ran a music venue in, 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 uh, Purdue actually. And that's not to say that, wow, like this kid's done everything. Cause like, dude, there was times where we actually had so little money at the music venue that we couldn't pay the bands. Like I had to, <laughs> I had to literally hitchhike back to campus to get my debit card to basically overdraw money from my account to that's pay crazy. a band. You know, so these are the types of things you you gotta kind of learn to deal with. <laughs> well, it, it, it sounds like it taught you how to be creative, though. At the same time, how to uh, think of creative creative ways to get yourself necessarily out of like a weird situation like that, but just like just train your mind how to think outside the box. And I think that's probably helped you in your creating career with ATC memes or any other website that you wanted to create. Yeah, I mean, like is uh, you're jamming with a jazz band and you set up the chords and you're sort of improvising over it. Yeah, um, it's really you can phrase it differently or change the notes, but uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's still gonna be music. So, what would you say to something like everyone's dream? I feel like every kid's dream right now is to create content, whether it's to be on YouTube, whether it's to have a famous Instagram page, whether it's to have just whether they're famous on Twitter, Twitch, anything like that. What would you say to someone right now that has a successful page, that has built something, that has spent a lot of time? What is what is three tips that you should that you would give someone to to making a great account or great meme page or great anything? Well, the number one thing I will say can be summed up perfectly in a very simple quote by this guy Stephen Pressfield, who wrote a book, "The War of Art." You might have heard of, and it is by far one of my favorite quotes in all of literature. 
and it just says resistance will bury you. And what he meant by that was that everything in your brain and everything in your life telling you that you can't or you shouldn't or it's not good enough or it's not ready is going to be your downfall. And that goes back to what I'm telling you earlier, how like, dude, it's all about quantity and not necessarily about quality. Now, you always want to do better and you always want to keep improving yourself. That's the technicality. That's the artistry. That's the looking back and thinking to yourself, wow, I really screwed that one up. Or maybe this is my hell, you know? <laughs> I can't believe anyone laughed at that, yeah. Yeah, like what was I yeah. thinking? <laughs> I mean, I, in my opinion, if you are if you don't have a what was I thinking moment in life, you're not pushing hard enough. You know, I, I always think that there's going to be some element that's going to be a little bit risque and a little bit rough around the edges, but that's because you're growing. You know, it's like growing a muscle. It's going to be sore for a while. But when Stephen Pressfield talks about resistance, He's talking about how people always talk and they never do because they're so worried about ridicule. Like, what will my friends think? What will my parents think? Society will stigmatize this or whatever the excuse of the day may be. And like, that is so bad. Like, I've gotten to the point to condition myself and be like, dude, people are going to know who you are. They already know who you are. You just kind of ride with it. So number one, create content and don't be so judgmental, especially in the beginning, because right now you're just trying to make cool stuff. So you want to be an unboxer on YouTube, like you, that, you should do it, but do it really, really well and make a lot of videos. You got to make the content. Uh, you want to be like a big thing is um, I'm involved in a lot of fitness things. So a big thing for me is trying to encourage people who want to be like personal trainers on YouTube or uh, Instagram, like, well, then go out and, you know, get a photographer, get a trainer to help you get in the shape, get your certification, like go out and do it and then, and then make the content build it and they will come. Of course, it's super, super competitive, but I'm saying you're going to have no chance if you don't go out and do that. Um, so that's my number one suggestion is just make a lot of content. Uh, number two though, and I'm just sort of like improvising here. It's hard to pick three, but number two is collaborate with people. Like I can't stress that, that enough. I would never have been able to do this alone. I'm not that smart and I'm definitely not that talented. So I need people behind me to help balance the workload, people to bounce ideas with. And more importantly, I need people to criticize me. Like right. I, as much as I hate criticism, it is really important to be like, you know, maybe I could do this better. Like maybe this is something that I, I'm doing really well. And that you also need, I think you need that reinforcement too. The internet can be hugely helpful with that. And even like this conversation we're having now, this is mutually beneficial. Like I'm getting sure. a lot out of this. Talking to you is super helpful to me. So collaborate. And three, just have fun. Like if it <laughs> if you don't have fun doing it, what's the point? Especially because you're gonna spend a lot of time doing it. You might spend like 10, 20 hours a week doing it, but you might spend like a hundred hours doing it. And honestly, it's not fun for the one hour. It's definitely not gonna be fun for the one hundred. You got to really enjoy doing it. I would do memes for free. Uh, sometimes <laughs> Don't tell anyone I that. Do. <laughs> sometimes I definitely do do it for free. I mean, yeah. uh, I joke often. Uh, you're not. We're not going to get rich selling aviation clothes, uh, at least not initially. I mean, I, it's we do do okay, but it's a lot of work. But the most important thing is you got to always f have growth in mind. And if you don't have fun doing it, you're never going to grow. Like people gravitate towards people having fun. That is like, 100% correct. Right now, I am yeah. having so much fun. Like this is – there's nothing I'd rather be doing right now. This is so much fun to bounce ideas with somebody who has a like mind. And if you don't have those three things, say no to resistance. Say no to Kilo. Uh, <laughs> say no to Kilo. <laughs> say, say no to Kilo. All right. Say no to resistance. Collaborate with people who can help you. Look for inspiration through them as well. And three, just have fun. And, you know, you have those recipes and with a little pinch of luck, right. you'd be on your way, baby. You got to do it. <laughs>
I don't I don't think people understand that there is luck in this. Like you have to have a break. You have to catch some sort of break to get the audience that you dream of. So that whether that's like you said, collaborating, working hard, you have to to work for that luck though. You have to put yourself, put your business, put your page, put your podcast in a position to hit that lucky spot and to have someone listen to it to share it with everyone else if that makes sense. Absolutely no doubt about it. That plays a a huge integral factor in it. And you know, a lot of people don't like to admit that too, especially in our Western way of life, because we always believe that harder work equals harder success. But the reality is that as much as I think that there is truth to that to some degree, there is definitely luck that plays into it. I don't know if you've ever read the book Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell, but that's a fantastic (laughs) book. I have read the first couple pages and then I, my, uh, athlete mind <laughs> took over and was like what what's going on i need i need to try to read it again but yeah no I, my, my wife's trying to get me to read that book so i've, I've heard about it malcolm gladwell is an interesting dude because his podcast like he can go on these big tangents sometimes and like i said in the very beginning of this i absolutely love youtube like i probably watch it too much but there's really cool uh analytical discussions he has about like success and what made people huge and what made people and you find a lot of it is tied to just luck. And dude, that is so true with my life. I mean, if I wasn't assigned to New York center, if I didn't meet my partners through the internet, if I just, just wasn't even deciding to go to Purdue university and had the opportunity to be in a band and then teach music after it, I wouldn't have even been here. Right. So, and you definitely wouldn't have been talking to me now, but then to get, <laughs> but then to get really deep, and this is the fun stuff. Maybe it would have been somebody else. You know what I mean? Right. Who knows? I don't know. We don't know yeah. how the universe works. So, <laughs> so it's fun to think about, but it is. I and I love how you talked about your first point about how kind of like you're saying you need to be vulnerable. Like you need to put yourself out there. You need to be willing to have people judge you for what you're doing. Because I mean, you, you like for this podcast, I was, I put it off for probably six months because I was scared to death what people would think of my voice and not sure. necessarily random people on the internet, but like my best friend from back home, my family or the people that I played football with at Ohio State, I would be afraid for them to listen to it and be like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe he's doing this. And I think I was just afraid of what my core not necessarily my core but the people that i knew what they would say but i eventually just had to be vulnerable you have to put yourself out there and you have to try you have to just pretty much just do it like go after it and do it you have to go out there and do it and you have to do it consistently every day even when you when you don't think it's going to be worth it you still have to go yourself and do it and i always like i said before the third tip you got to have fun but that doesn't mean that it's always going to be the best thing you want to do like there's some times where i have to deal with customer problems yeah if we had like for black friday uh just to use a personal example on black friday last year we sold something insane like we sold like six thousand orders of stuff and it was a lot of fun to to see you know all that the, the the chart looked like it was like a like a you know totally vertical line in terms of the sales volume, but yeah. you had a lot of problems you got to deal with with that. I mean, I had to everything you could imagine, everything. We had fraudulent cards we had to deal with. We had to deal with people who screwed up shipping, people who uh, got gifts from those they didn't want to accept the gifts from. I mean, everything you could imagine went wrong. But that's that's called like running a business, you know. Nothing about that was fun, but you had to do it, and we had to sort of make do with what we had. And at the end of the day, like customer service is something that we're really, really, uh, I think, pretty good at. And it's because we definitely just struggled with it for a while. Like for a while, it was really hard for us. It's we sucked at it, you know, but right. we got better. So yeah, you just got to be consistent with it and uh, not be afraid to be judged because that's 
that's just that resistance that right. you know, Pressfield's always talking about. Yep, so. you can't be afraid of the the one percent of people that are going to judge you when you have a product that could potentially maybe change the world or change just help one person get into aviation or whatever you are trying to create. So yeah, definitely, yeah, if sure. you're thinking about doing anything, just go ahead and do it. And then Start. I, yeah, just Nike there. commercial, just do it. Just do it. Yeah. <laughs> say no awesome. to Kilo. I don't yeah. even know how that came to be, by the way. I don't but, even, yeah. And, how did say no to Kilo come to be? Because I, I don't know if you noticed when we we're emailing back and forth, I threw one in there for I, you real quick. I did. That, actually, because I, <laughs> I was looking at my computer right now and I saw our email answer. Yeah. I think, um, say no to Kilo happened because somebody referenced a story with a New York area controller. I forget what facility it was, but uh, they were doing a VFR flight following and the controller goes, all right, what airport are you flying to today? And he starts out with Kilo you know, Kilo Foxtrot Romeo Golf or whatever it may be. Kilo India Sierra Pop or something. And he's like, you don't need to use the word Kilo with me. You know, this is the continuous United States. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, whoa. And of course, you know, you put your microphone on mute. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> the controller just went crazy on him because he used the word uh, Kilo, the first phonetic of the four letter. And I think the real reason to be more technical is because the star system that the uh, Tracon controller was using, I think, Again, I don't even know what airport this was. It could have been up in the Northeast. So yeah. don't just assume it was New York Tracon. I really have no <laughs> idea. But whatever facility it was, they were using a star system. And I think they only accept three letters. You can't do backspace. Uh, so when they hit Kurt Kilo, they immediately put in K, which would have represented KK, you know? So no. <laughs> That's say funny. no to Kilo. Yeah, say and no to course, Kilo. <laughs> I'm sure that like somebody out there that, you know, they're going to go to some uncolocated. VOR and you know end up like 500 miles north of where they're supposed to be like where the heck are we you know yep. you should have used Kilo dude or say no to Charlie <laughs> the Canadian version oh my gosh I'm surprised there hasn't been a say no to Charlie a knockoff or a spinoff coming from that yet <laughs> say no to Charlie you yeah. gotta have a, you gotta have a Mountie mounted up on a, on a horse saying say no to Charlie <laughs> eh <laughs> Yeah, with a uh, bottle of uh, Labatt Blue and some Canadian syrup and yeah. uh, maple syrup. And I was going to say, you got to have the maple syrup in there. Yeah, maple <laughs> Canadian syrup. I don't know what that is. <laughs> it works. We, yeah. we all know what you're talking about. That's the new uh, That's the new ATC Memes product. ATC Memes. Canadian you know, syrup. Canadian syrup. Maybe 100% real Canadians. But, Coming uh, to you fresh from... Whatever part oh, of Canada, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I grew up upstate, like I said, so we were no stranger to some of the culture bleeding over the border and going in the Adirondacks and stuff. Some of the people, they love the Adirondacks upstate New York. And yeah. my, my brother is actually dating a woman right now from a very small island country called New Caledonia, which is off the coast of New Zealand, of all places oh, in the wow. Pacific. And it's a French territory. And, uh, she speaks fluent French, so she go, will go up to Quebec and go to like Montreal and Quebec City with my brother. And of course, he has no idea what they're saying. But she's like, you know, just follow me. Of course, that's a British accent, but you get the point. And, <laughs> and you know, she'll like take him around. And Montreal has an underground city. They have a mall that's underground. It's crazy. Oh wow! But uh, so Canada is a really cool place. And my brother sort of has the the, the eyes to the world through his girlfriend because you can speak French. So if you ever go to Quebec, make sure you bring somebody who can speak French. <laughs> you I get can, a much better experience. I was in Quebec like three days ago and I can uh, second that. I was in Montreal oh, airport. Yeah, I went from, so this is this is a true freight dog. I went from Montreal, or I went from Del Rio, Texas to Montreal delivering freights, that uh, delivering automotive parts that originated in Mexico. So seen it all. That is globalization right here, right now on Pilot oh. the Pilot Podcast. That is the best way to describe it. Brought to you by Pilatus PC12. <laughs> 
a heck of a plane. You guys heck move yeah, pretty man. well. We, we try, especially in New York, especially when you're landing, when you're a five mile final at JFK. Like, can you go 250? It's like, oh, no, but I'll go 230, 228. What's the ceiling in that plane? Like, like honestly, what, what would you feel comfortable flying that plane at? Like, it's uh, rated to 30,000, but we fly at 270 because we don't have RVSM. And okay, all right. we fly the three oldest PC 12s ever made. <laughs> yeah, Plotus is like reaching out to us like hey I think it's time for you to retire those like we don't really want to put our name by those anymore <laughs> you guys would stick out like a sore thumb because on the radar system we used to use non-RVSM as a nice blue coral box that circled yeah. over the VDF uh, data block so we, we, oh, there's, we that guy. Definitely... there's the guy from pilot to pilot yeah, right? yeah. oh there's a guy that can't climb above 270 what a loser <laughs> <laughs> actually you guys are pretty helpful because no one else is flying that low. <laughs> so <it works. laughs> That's so true. Yeah, it's, I actually was able to climb up. Someone let me climb up above 280. I was trying to climb above some pretty nasty weather, and or the tops are at 270. I was like, hey, man, I'm not RVSM. Can you just let me go up there? And like, yeah, man, go for it. It's like, thank you. <laughs> I'd rather not get rocked. Yeah. I think anyone would let me do that except for Washington Center. For some reason, I have the worst luck with Washington Center. And I, I interviewed oh, man, someone on Washington Center, and he was a great guy. I haven't talked to him on the radio there yet, but, I mean, Washington Center has totally just, like, ruined some of my flights. <laughs> it's funny you say that because, I mean, I I never wanted to get into uh, names of the facilities, but I remember one time we were flying from JetBlue to uh, JFK, and the and the uh, I was listening to live ATC because, like I said, that inner riddle student of me always sort of flares up at the worst possible times. Yeah. But I was tuned into the audio. And I remember, like, the controller never issued a descent. Like, and all of a sudden, he's like, JetBlue, one, two, three, like, you're going to make that restriction? And he was just like, uh, yeah, all right, we'll, do, we'll, give, we'll give it our best shot. And, he, and I could literally feel the seatbelt, like, tightening on my chest. I'm like, oh, my God, like, we're going down, you know? And, uh, and, and we made the restriction. But, I, you know, it's like full boards out the whole bit. Like, the, the trays are flying through yeah. the aisle. I'm like, oh, my God, we're going down. The children but, uh, are screaming. Remember, like, Everyone starts doing the Hail Marys. <laughs> That's awesome. And I walked to the pilot and I, I just walk up to him like Washington Center. And he's he just like he like closed his eyes and just like gives me a really like humble like nod and I'm just like have a good day. <laughs> We understand. <laughs> we don't no, we man, don't like, blame I you. Know people who work there, like they're they're you know, the, the all the center, everybody has great controllers because to do this job, you gotta go through so much training and so much ridicule and just to be the best of the best, because that's what you are, you know. But there's a lot of uh repartee sort of speak that happened in between controlling because it's a, you know it's a there's a lot of like alpha male personalities and in uh, aviation no way <laughs> yeah, yeah. what but, but yeah and so it's all in fun in fun and games unless you unless you work at beaumont then 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 you know no, no <laughs> but yeah <laughs> so, but yeah good times at washington center i'm yeah. sure my friends listen to this right now are probably, i know right yeah. i have people listening to washington center right now they're probably like oh, i hate that pilot pilot guy <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't have do yeah. I don't have anything against Washington Center. There's just been one time in particular, two times. One time I took off from uh, a small town in North Carolina, going to Raleigh, delivering UPS freight, and uh, the weather was terrible. And the center guy was straight was like, "Why are you flying? Like you're an idiot. Like you should not be flying right now." It's like I do not have time to deal with you, and it was like making me look like an idiot or making me look like I was taking crazy risks and risking my life and everything. And I was like, "Dude, I got a plan. Like this is gonna work. Just let me do my thing." And eventually right. he was like, "All right, you're clear to do whatever." And I was like, "Thank you. <laughs> Bye." 
And then the other one, I was flying south. I was actually coming from New York, and I was flying south. I needed to go from New York to Ohio, and clearly that the straightest point from point A to point B is a straight line. These guys had me fly all the way south, like towards Charleston, West Virginia. I was like, I'm not doing that. So I found a hole, and I found where there was no weather, and I started to cut across. I asked if I could, and they started yelling at me. They were like, why are you doing that? I don't have a plane within 100 miles of that area. Like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I was like, dude, just let me try it. What am I going to hurt? I got boxes, and no one's going to complain. Just let me do my thing. <laughs> and eventually, he was like, all right, fine. You're clear to do it, but I don't think it's a good idea. And it was, it was beautiful, right. clear. It's like, I get that they have a lot going on, especially in weather. Like the last thing I want to do is worry about a little freight dog trying to mess up their system. So I totally understand it. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I can hear him now, like on key, be like, man, with this PC 12, what is this kid doing? Thinks he owns my airspace. You're, you're giving me inspiration for another skit. You know that, right? Yes. I like it. Hey. When the PC 12, cause through your rivals. <laughs> hey, there's one it. time I remember. I was like a very new trainee to the, I mean, literally I'd been down on the floor for like a, like a week and I'm, I'm scared shitless. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, st- and I'm sitting around and I remember somebody <laughs> had the head on speaker and they're like, uh, UPS, like one, two, three, uh, can you make a descent restriction today? It's going to require a uh, 2,500 feet or greater descent in a minute. And he's like, yeah, no problem. Center of the packages. <laughs> don't complain. And it was like, it was like, it was like 4,000 foot a minute descent or something like that. Yeah. But he said, the packages don't scream. Is his exact phraseology. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was. I forget. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I've heard some of that stuff. I've heard a controller come back to a Delta guy and the Delta was like, how's the air? He's like, oh, it's, it's gone. He's like, are you sure it's not light chop? Like, uh, usually you say it's light chop. <laughs> it was pretty funny. I, I appreciate the little, uh, not necessarily rivalries, but just people have fun in aviation. It doesn't matter. Like yeah. controllers, pilots, like we all like to have fun. We all like to talk and i mean you got those crazy guys that are on guard that just ruin everyone's day by meowing like a cat or saying guard 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 <laughs> work, work, work. The guard yeah. dog will be crazy actually i have an airband radio that i would tune occasionally tune the guard here and just try to listen to the damn thing and oh see what's gosh. going on but it's either static uh interference or people like making cat noises and screaming work yeah. and guard so yeah off but yeah the guard frequencies are nuts yeah um, it's crazy so crazy an MBI or bulletin or something that was put out and they actually, they, they mentioned don't abuse guard. And then on the top of this bulletin that went out to like all the controllers, they put our sticker. The one time <laughs> you're on guard sticker. Oh I actually my have gosh. It in my car. I should probably remove it before I get mugged or something. <laughs> probably. That's hilarious. Put on the two, four, three point zero one. That, that one's, that one's a little bit more boutique and people wouldn't recognize it as easily. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. That's awesome. Yeah. Guard can, uh, is very annoying sometimes. But that's all good. I was going to ask you about your best moments of being a controller and your least favorite things about pilots. If you have any stories that you know at the top of your head. Oh, man. Well, I, I don't know if I would ridicule any pilot in particular, but I know it's always sort of funny when uh, the, you can tell the pilots are talking to company and they don't know what to do. Like, for example, <laughs> we, you know, if there's a huge line of storms and the, and the pilots don't know if they can uh, divert or uh, where they're going to divert. Yeah. And they circle around and they're, you can like always hear it in their voice. Like, even if you listen to live ATC, you kind of get that that feeling of that. Yeah. Um, and that's all part of the, the normal routine in the job. But it's just, it's so funny to me to notice how everything is always going to go down some funnel. Like, you know, someone's command is someone else's command that you're reporting to and this and that and talk to company and uh, dispatch and company has, have so much more control over a flight than maybe the controllers realize. And I always thought that was so entertaining. It's like, yeah, company wants us to divert to Miami. You're like, all right, I don't know why, but here you go, you know, and so I can just picture the pilots like swearing up a storm, like, I'm never going to see my daughter's food. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I just picture them like totally losing their mind over something yeah. like that. Um, I know that like one of the consistent problems that 
in the FAA is staffing and it's probably, maybe it's the same in other countries. I'm not sure, but, uh, I, I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard the phrase, I can't get Christmas off again. Or like, I can't get this <laughs> thing off again. It's like the schedule is a notorious problem in aviation. I always yeah. think that's so just inherently part of the industry. And it's, it kind of is one of the reasons I left to be completely frank with you, but I also think that it's part of the job. So you kind of realize that, but in terms of just the best experience, um, controlling, I mean, to, to be honest with you, being in training is so much different than being an actual controller who's experienced and being seasoned because you don't have that like swagger, you know? Right. Uh, but I will say though, dealing with, uh, helping pilots through storms and dealing with working with people who to make basically passengers lives a little bit less hectic and stressful is really satisfying. And that's actually one of the parts that I really did enjoy about the job as much as I sort of uh, pretended I hated it. But I, I, <laughs> I mean, I, to me, it was like immediate, immediate, um, attention that, that was required. It was an immediate gratification, but also an immediate attention where it's like, you know, we're getting some moderate turbulence. We're getting some severe turbulence. We got to get out of here and right. trying to like work it out. How are you going to move this guy? Who are you going to call? You know, who are you going to, and, uh, I always realized, though, and, and even to this day, I still talk about this. I always realized, though, that the busier it got, typically the less I thought about me and the less I was focused on how I was feeling. Yep. You think, like, dude, I'm feeling stressed. Like, I'm feeling a little bit nervous. I'm feeling like I'm being ridiculed. But the busier it got, like, literally the less I thought about myself and the, the better I did. So yeah. that's a hugely fundamental life lesson. Like, you got to get in that flow. Definitely. Uh, you really get, no matter what you do. And, Sometimes you screw it up and like you make yourself look like an idiot, but other times, dude, like you really got to kind of find yourself in that noise and put yourself in the foray. And that's when the coolest stuff happens, man. Definitely. No, I would, there's <laughs> so much like, there's so much camaraderie and teamwork between air traffic control and pilots when like the weather, when everything just goes bad. So weather goes bad. It's like, we're counting on you guys, what you see on radar to supplement what we see on radar. And we both have to come up with the best decision for your traffic and for our safety. So, I mean, it's definitely a team, team environment and teamwork and it's definitely gratifying. And I can promise you that pilots are very happy when we find clear air and smooth air, even if we have boxes on board. (laughs) Totally. It's very true. There's a human being or multiple on the aircraft. And well, unless you're flying a drone, then the human being is on the ground. But, uh, you know, (laughs) I don't know if we could you consider drone pilots pilots by the way? Um I haven't interviewed one so I'd have to talk with them. I'd have to figure it out. You should interview a prof- somebody okay, you got to find them on Instagram. Yeah. Goes, I'm a professional drone pilot. <laughs> you got to get them on. Cuz I think they're kind of cool the drones yeah. but the, some of the people who fly them are a little bit uh stuck up for lack of a better term. What kind of drone are we talking about though? Are we talking about like a DJI Phantom or are we talking about the military drones over in the Middle East? No, not like the UAVs. I'm talking okay. about like yeah, like you know, a Phantom 3 or actually no, that's Phantom three or four are too new. I'm talking about the guys who buy like those ones on gift.com or like, you know, geek.com. And they're like the cheap Chinese made like $9. It's like the thing will fly really you're like you know, the first day you charge it, like your whole house burns down. That's the kind of pie. I'm looking at. <laughs> I need to get that. It's probably the same guy that you met up with in Texas that offered you a Bud Light when you gave me your sticker. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. He's probably some 12 year old kid yeah. and his mom's standing behind. Well, yeah. I actually, before drone, see, I, I, I sound like a, like a real loser when I talk like this, but way before it was cool, way before drones were even a thing, I used to fly remote control planes. Yeah. And there was this old, uh, I don't even know if they still sell it. It was a company called GWS, and it was a Chinese company that made like $30 remote control planes, but you had to buy all the electronics. So um, I learned how, how to do uh, soldering, and I learned how to connect servos and controllers and just digital uh, relays and things like that, ACs and uh, all these types of cool stuff. And 
I realized that like, you know, years, years had gone by and I found this whole memory card of pictures I took with a really, really crappy digital camera. I had taken the camera out of the case because the camera's too heavy. <laughs> really tiny, like pen cam almost thing. Yeah. Put it to the side of the plane and flew it around. And it's like, you know, it's the size of a wheat thin. It's like, you know, one pixel. But I was able to get aerial pictures of like my high school and stuff. This That's is back awesome. in like 2001, 2002, you know. Dang, man. Um, and you learn about design. I'm like, kids today, you know, these damn kids. Because they, <laughs> they fly these drones around and they don't realize that there is so much design in just like stabilizing the camera even. Yeah. We fly a control plane around. We used to have to fly electric planes because when you cut the power of the motor so that the vibrations don't interfere with the camera to get your picture, yep. you can easily re- you know, re-spark the engine because it's just a brushed motor, a brushless motor. But if you're using a glow plane, you can't because you got to basically re-spark it. You know? So <laughs> like you, it's really kind of wild, all the problems that you run into when you do things that are so DIY. But I, I, I love drones. I think they're so cool. But I feel like there's a lot of the hobby of flying your own little craft that's kind of lost because it's so easy. Yeah, no, like, I agree. I, I, I don't can't tell how many times I get like CA glue and epoxy in my eye. You know, that's it, all part of the hobby. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, it happened again. But you know, it's it's just when you're when you're playing that you spent monocoating, which is basically like a a thin. How do I describe it? It's almost like a cellophane wrap, but when you heat it up, it coats over the balsa wood and yeah. seals nice. Like you learn how to repair that because your plane's going to crash and it's going to be like a pile of toothpicks. You got to put it back together. That's all. That's all part of the fun. And crashing the plane was all part of the fun. And I learned a lot about that. In fact, there was a time where I wanted to be sort of a aeronautical like engineer or designer because I loved flying these remote control planes. And really, that's what you're doing. You're sort of like you're putting the damn thing together piece by piece, and it's really fun. That's awesome. Um, yeah. No, that's really yeah. cool. I know my, um, so my, when I, my cousin is like crazy smart, works for Microsoft, like had Apple and Microsoft work, like fighting over him to help code. When he yeah. was, he came to visit us. He's from New York. Um, he comes down and he's, so he's like, yo, you guys want to build a computer? And we're like, uh, no, I want to go shoot hoops. He's like, all right, you want to build an airplane? It's like, no, it's like, what's wrong <laughs> with you? <laughs> yeah, I found yeah. get along with him because I, yeah. I actually, as we speak, there's computer parts in my living room because I'm putting together a new machine. So that's awesome. That's, yeah, but I had a problem with my other one because I got well. It's a long story, but basically I had liquid cooling, yeah. and then I decided to move it. And the cooler was so big that you're when I moved the case, it actually cracked the screws in the motherboard. So oh, I no. had to get a whole new motherboard. Long story. I didn't realize my true nerdness until probably after I quit playing. Probably when I stopped playing sports, when I quit playing football, my true like geekiness and nerdness came out. And I actually, I'm trying to, I'm in the process of looking at parts to build a computer. I have this whole grand idea for like a sweet setup for uh, the pilot, the pilot studio, and a nice PC and to do some cool stuff. So yeah, man, my my nerdiness is coming out. Well, if you ever need help overclocking and getting your V cores as low as possible and your temperature is uh, equally as cold as it is outside my window right now, let me know. <laughs> I'll help you set up a mean machine. Sounds good. Let's do it. That's awesome. Right all right, David, I have a couple rapid fire questions for you. I love to do this segment with all my guests. It just kind of puts you on the spot, aviation inspired questions, and you just say the first thing that comes to your mind. All right. Sounds good. Let's right. do it. What is your favorite airline to fly if you're using like your own personal money? Southwest Airlines. Southwest. What is one airline you would never let your? Would say you would you wouldn't even let your worst enemy fly on? <laughs> uh, definitely uh, Delta. No, I'm kidding. I love Delta. I would, <laughs> I would say I would say Allegiant, man. Yeah, I would have to agree. I have a lot of people ask me. I'm not an airline pilot, but you tell anyone a pilot, it's like, oh, what airline should I fly? It's like I have no idea. <laughs> I fly freight in a small plane that you would never want to be on, so I cannot tell you. <laughs> well, it's not even the it's not even the aircraft. It's just like. 
I don't know. Sometimes people have these uh, misconceptions, and I think that if you, you're like, wait a minute, you flew Allegiant? You're like, yeah. ooh. <laughs> don't you know Allegiant has 50% more on in-flight emergencies than every other airline? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, here we go. We got another one. What is, so say you're in the airport. You want to get some food. What's What food are you going for? What's uh, your number one food to get in a food court at the airplane? Oh, that's a good question. I would get anything that has the highest amount of fat and the highest amount of protein and the least amount of carbs. There you go. That's probably got to be kind of hard to get at an airport though, isn't it? <laughs> it's impossible. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> that's funny. Have you ever flown a plane before? Have you uh, actually like gotten a pirate pilot license or anything? I have flown a plane before. I've never gotten my license, but uh, I have flown a few hours with an instructor and with some friends at Purdue. Nice. Yep, I've flown a, a Cessna Okay. and I think a Warrior. Okay, cool. What was your least favorite plane to have to – so what was like the worst case scenario in air traffic controller? Like what did you always dread happening most? Uh, so you get like the, the lowest level of the Embraer jets basically yeah. lead back. Uh, or, or you get that VFR pilot that's just for whatever reason he's like fluctuating between like 7.5 and 8.5 and he's yeah. right between the arrival line and you have to – you know, basically it's like, yeah, unknown target uh, right in front of you somewhere. Uh, VFR pilots – I love VFR because they are like the celebration of what is aviation, but <laughs> yeah. don't fly in the middle of the approach path. Right. By the way, if you're going to skydive, it's probably best to do it away from any sort of departure corridor. <laughs> so. I completely agree. <laughs> I was I was flying in uh, El Paso, and this one guy, he was like 30 seconds from releasing his jumpers, and he told the guys, like, don't do that. There's a 737 flying right under your path right now. It's like, what is wrong with you? And he's like, oh, do you should I not do it? And he's like, yes, do not do it. I just told you don't do it. And he's like, well, okay, I, we'll call back. When I was in New York, th- those guys are really on top of it. They're really good. They also say, you know, clear the jump. And the, and the pilots would actually they, – they would do it all day over some areas of uh, Pennsylvania. Yeah. And so what they would do is they'd give them a permanent squawk that they can go up and down with all day and just kind of th- – what you do in the computer is you set up a delay yeah. so the computer doesn't drop the plane because the computer doesn't see a transponder code for X amount of minutes. I think it's like 30 minutes or whatever. It'll just drop the whole flight plan. Okay. So if this guy goes down and lands and refills his plane with fuel and passengers and jumpers, goes back up, if he's on the same squawk, you'll always see him come up and down. Gotcha. And the pilots are really good too. They're like, you know, New York Center, this is November one, two, three. Uh, we're one minute to jump. And then you say, okay, like you're clear to jump or whatever. And then it's funny too, because you can always see it like, all right, New York Center, one, two, three, going back to Smoketown or whatever he's going. And this guy, <laughs> and this is like a 172 or whatever. This guy, Triple X is on the, he, he is in a straight free fall. Like this guy must just nose forward on his plane. I'm like, what the, f- what the heck is going on? Yeah. Like, oh yeah, it's the jumper. He's normal. I'm like, okay. Cool. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> That's a little tidbit for how jumpers work, uh, yeah. at least in some areas, at least in, the, cool. in the areas where people seem to know what they're doing. That's yeah. really cool. It was always really cool to me. Cool. Uh, Apple or Android? Are you an Apple guy or an Android guy? I'm an Android guy. I love Apple products. I'm not going to knock them, but I am always an Android phone guy. Their phones are just so much more responsive to me and for custom uh, software, which I also design sometimes. So I like doing uh, doing that in their APIs. That's cool, man. That's uh, what's your favorite airline livery? Do you have one? That's a good question, <laughs> dude. I have to say, Spirit Airlines is my favorite livery. That the, not just yellow. The yellow? That's that. hilarious. That is so funny. Because I mean, every time you see it, I'm just like, there's a meme waiting to happen. Yeah, here. that's that's <laughs> and, very like, their true. Font, their font looks like a bad like early '90s porno for some reason. It's just it's so <laughs> funny the way those planes look to me. So I would always say those are my favorite. Now, my in terms of the most like stunning looking plane. 
yeah, I still have to say spirit. There's no yeah. about it. There you go. Yep. Yeah, that's cool. I've, I've honestly say I never thought I would hear someone say spirit, but there we go, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, like I said, be, you know, you got to be as weird as possible. Yeah, for sure. What's your least favorite airport to fly in and out of? Uh, LaGuardia. There's no doubt about it. I actually just spoke with somebody yesterday about this. LaGuardia. Yeah, uh, a, a lot of people. The, there's only one person I've ever talked to that said they love Laguardia, and that's I am the Drizzle. I don't know if you ever follow him or anything. Oh, I know they. I know him well. Yeah. Yeah, we always talk. Drizzle <laughs> he loves Laguardia. He says only <laughs> only weak people hate Laguardia. <laughs> yeah, but that's good. I mean, he, he's got like literally a tattoo on his left thigh. It says you know the twin white tanks. I'm like, come on, dude. Like, oh, <laughs> Yo, man, I'm playing. I'm flying the expressway visual. Come here, yeah. coming in. I'm like, dude, you need a life. <laughs> No, just, that guy's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, Drizzle's the best. I love that guy. He's hilarious. <laughs> he uh, he doesn't live too far from me, so uh, we've all Drizzle, me, off airport gear, and uh, stabilizer motion all met up, and we went glider flying out in Ohio together. So it was a lot of fun. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. Well, cool, man. Those are all really the questions I have for you. Is there anything else that you want to get out there and say? Well, all I can say is that I appreciate my fans and your fans and everybody who's listening to this so much. You guys are making basically history by changing all these industries and making it possible for all of us to go out there and sort of do what we want to do, but also have fun doing it. And I always encourage people to submit their memes. And like we've talked about so many times in this podcast, just keep creating content. If you think it's going to be dumb, just who cares? You know, put it out there, submit it to us, make your own. And the future will be very bright for all of us involved because the growth is just so apparent. But I always want to be creative and making things new and fresh and making people always find that spark that that guy wrote to me and said, I want you inspired me to uh, go back into flying. I wish to everyone having that experience when they encounter ATC memes or airline pilot memes or your page. That's what it's all about. You know, just trying to keep people inspired, man. Yep. So that's, that's what it. I hope to do. I completely agree at the end of the day. This is all, I'm sure, like you said, you too, everything is about inspiring other aviators, inspiring just people to better their lives, better themselves, just give them some humor, give them some content to kind of escape maybe what's going on in their life and just think about what they can do to better themselves. So I completely agree. Um, I'll say one more thing before we go and then we can debrief afterwards, but thanks so much for coming on. I, I really appreciate it. You know, I never thought that I'd be talking with you guys. So like you said, like, it's so cool to just see what this podcast has been able to do and who we can talk to and the stories that we can share because as you said earlier you never know what who's actually going to be touched by what story so everyone has a story to tell it doesn't matter if you fly you haven't even flown yet you can still share your story and you can still show people what you're doing to help inspire other people and i think people will get inspired by your story too just to hear how smart you are how intelligent you are and how just how hard you work. Cause I know that these memes and these uh, audios do not happen in two seconds. Like I'm sure they take hours and hours of fine tuning and just thank you so much for creating your content and everything you've done, man. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me. It's really, really an honor to be here as I've said before. And to be honest with you, like I said, it's a lot of work to do this, but it doesn't really feel like work because I found something luckily that really sort of sparks my curiosity and my interests. And it makes, as I think I've said before, fantasy come to reality. We're doing things that aren't really reality. They're not real life. They're situations that wouldn't really happen. But when I get in that moment and you're sort of in that flow, you kind of experience that as if somebody who is in that predicament or that situation, and you're kind of sharing it and the audience is coming to life. And in theater, you'd call it breaking down the, uh, something I've hid for a while, but I've always been like really interested in theater. When I was younger, I always been interested in the breaking of the fourth wall, so to speak, where like the audience is becoming part of the production. And when you think about social media, that's really all it is. Yeah. It's you interacting with your audience, but the audience is so so a part of the production. We talk about people submitting memes, people submitting photos, people submitting their own stories. Like it's just the whole collective world becoming more 
one. And that to me is the most beautiful thing. So thanks for having me, man. It's been a no great honor to be here. And I look forward to uh, many, many years to come yeah. to the moon. We go definitely <laughs> happy flying. Yeah, for sure, man. Thanks for coming on again and uh, have a great Thank day. You, so much. Yeah. you as well. Perfect. Nation, thanks for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. As I said earlier, leave us a review. Let us know what you think on iTunes, on Facebook, and don't forget about that Going Solo hat that we're giving away with Wing Boss. Leave a comment or leave a review on iTunes. Aviation, hope you have a great day. Happy flying. 2569, maintain 300 knots. 300 knots on the nose, American 2569. Aviation, I hope you have a great day and happy flying.